Turn in your Bible. Let's go to Exodus 13 and Numbers 13 uh, and then uh, Joshua 5. There's three. There's three. Exodus 13, Numbers 13, and Josh, not Joshua 5, Joshua 1. Uh, I had some closing thoughts about shift. We finished on Sunday morning our shift series. And let me just say this. If you missed any... Uh, I want you to know, I don't, I'm not trying to brag. I'm not trying to, but I'm just telling you the last four Sundays, we had five Sundays. We, the first one we, was Wisdom Sunday. And we got you going on, on gaining wisdom in January. And then the next four Sundays on Sunday morning was this series shift, preparing your ways for greater days. Every one of those messages, I believe, were God words for us. Uh, in fact, last Sunday evidently was so good, Josh told me how good it was. I was thrilled. I got a big comp from Josh. Uh, and so when Josh says, man, that was good, I know, woo, man, we were, we were in the third heaven. So, uh, so I want you to go back and listen to those. I've got, I have one of my old members of my church who's, who, who's just moved and she doesn't have a church yet. She texts me sent me a Facebook message and said, where can I get your messages? And I, I pointed her right to our website and I said, and you need to begin really on the second Sunday of January and go through these four sessions on shift, preparing your ways for greater days. I think, I think they're profound. I, I, I may write a book. I don't know. I'm just feeling it. And so I had some closing thoughts about that that I want to finish off with tonight. If you'll let me, will you let me? All right, here we go. Father, we thank you for the word of God. May it bring forth much fruit in our heart. And Lord, help us prepare our ways for greater days in 2016. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. What I want to talk to you tonight about is changing or shifting the way we think. And that if you see the little bitty thing up there under shift, think different, be different, do different. It's really true. Everyone say, think different, be different. Do different. I want to talk to you about the way we think and how it affects whether we move forward or backward or stay the same. And, and a verse you probably know, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. The power of our thoughts are so profound. And so we need to understand that right here is a huge part of, of, of progressing in life and moving to our greater days. Uh, and our thoughts, listen, uh, our thoughts are inevitably the birthplace of change, either in a good way or a bad way. If we don't control the way we think and we begin to think wrongly, it'll affect our life out there. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And most of the time, the biggest roadblock to success and progress and change is our thought life. One of the biggest roadblocks that you'll ever experience is not the devil. I buke you, devil. It's not the, it's our thought life. And so we've got to overcome the way we think. And so just remember that the way we think most of the time is the biggest roadblock, uh, uh, to progress and change. And so it's going to require some things of us to change the way we think. And here's what, here's how I want to approach it tonight. Uh, in order to change the way you think, there's some, 
we may need to dethrone, if you will, some false doctrine or beliefs that have been built up in our life, primarily about us. I'm not talking about Bible doctrine necessarily. I'm talking about, you know, you, when you think of doctrine, you think of teaching, but it's a really a belief system as well. Uh, and, and some of us have built up a false doctrine or belief about who we are. Are you with me? And see, our culture has done that for us. I don't know what your culture is, but you may have had, you know, a lousy home life that was very unencouraging and, and had people tell you, how, you know, that you're toe jam or whatever all your life long. And undoubtedly, on some level, the culture we live in has indoctrinated us to a particular belief or mindset about ourselves. And much of that keeps us from our greater days. And so, so I want to talk to you about dethroning that. And I want to use the children of Israel, of course, because I told you Exodus 13, Numbers 13, and Joshua 1 through 5. The children of Israel are a great example of this whole thing. Uh, and we find them, if you're in, are you in Exodus 13? We find them in Egyptian bondage, of course. And God's plan for them, they came up uh, uh, in, in Exodus 13. They're, they're in Egyptian bondage, but I want you to see what God says about them in verse 3. And Moses said to the people, now, this is really God speaking, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. And then he begins to institute the feast of unleavened bread. But he, he's beginning to change by his words to them. He's trying to get them to change the way they think about themselves. Most of them, all they've ever been is slaves. And God comes to them through Moses and he said, you need to remember this day. God's bringing you out of that. You're not that anymore. In fact, if you go down to verse 5, it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore. Now catch this, which he swore to your fathers to give you. Let me tell you something. When God swears that he's going to do something. You can just rest on it. He's going to do something. He said, he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey that you shall keep this service in the seventh month. So what's he doing here? He's trying to get them to change the way they think about who they are. They're not, they're not, they're not bond slaves. Uh, they're beneficiaries of the promises of God. Amen. But they battled this issue all their life long. They had issues with how they thought about themselves. Let me show you how it works out in Numbers uh, 13. Uh, go, go there, Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, what? Numbers. Numbers 13. Let me show this to you. Now, the children of Israel coming up to the promised land uh, very quickly after they came out of Egyptian bondage and, and they got out of Egypt uh, despite of themselves and they're on this journey that shouldn't have taken them but just a few weeks. How many of you know it took them how long? 40, 40 years. And the reason it took them, one of the big reasons it took them 40 years is because the way they thought about themselves and about God and about their circumstances. See, it kept them going around the mountain over and over again because they couldn't get slavery out of their brain. 
They couldn't get inheritance out of, uh, into their brain. They couldn't get, I'm, I'm moving to the promised land. And let me show you this. So they come up to the promised land and look in, and look in uh, Numbers 13. And it says this, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which, now catch this, this is important, which I am giving to the children of Israel. For each tribe, their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. Now, here's what God was wanting to do. He's wanting every tribe to get a vision of the promised land. He said, this is what I am giving you. But their eyes got focused on the wrong things. And so they sent out spies and they came back and they gave the report. It says this, oh gosh, verse 27. Then they told him and said, we went to the land which you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. And here's the key word. Everybody say, nevertheless. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and, and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And those are the giant people, by the way. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south and their voices getting quivery by this time. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we will, we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they pardon me, are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, <coughs> pardon me, which they spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw are men of great stature. Then, now catch this, then we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the, from the giants, uh, they came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Now that be huge. Everybody go, that's huge. You see, how you see yourself will inevitably be how your enemy sees you. Oh, you can take that. You ought to tweet that today. Uh, how you see yourself will inevitably be how your enemies see you. If you see yourself as more than a conqueror, what are your enemies going to see? More than a conqueror. If you see yourself as grasshopper, what are your enemies going to say? There's a little grasshopper. Just a bug. And so that kept them. They were right there. And, and in fact, chapter 14, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, now catch this, remember what they were slaves. If only we had died in the land of Egypt and, and if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us out to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? Because we're just little grasshopper slaves. 
And it took 40 years. In fact, it, you'll see in a moment. It took 40 years for that mindset to die out. To dethrone that faulty doctrine. And now we fast forward to Joshua. Everybody go to Joshua. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. Now Joshua, you know the story. Moses is dead. Everybody say Moses is dead. Joshua was his right hand man. In fact, uh, uh, he was... How many of you know loss of loved ones and loss of key figures in your life can, can almost paralyze you? Now... God comes to Joshua. Joshua obviously knows that Moses is dead. This is not a surprise. He's in grief or whatever. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, this is chapter 1, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. What's he saying? It's time to move on. And he says, Therefore, rise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to a land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. And as I said to Moses, uh, blah, 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 and I'll come back to that in a moment. So, let me tell you what we're going to do. What happens is, Moses catches it. He awakens to the reality, oh, it's time uh, for the Joshua generation to arise, Okay. And move forward and finally, after 40 years, move into their greatest day or their greater day. You see, for 40 years, they'd been wandering around in the wilderness because of the way they thought about themselves and about their, uh, and even thought about God. Uh, and so it took 40 years, literally, literally, I'll show you this in a minute, for those, uh, those elder guys who had, who, who's, who walked up to the, walked into the promised land and said, thanks, but no thanks. They all, they never saw the real promised land because, and, and they died in the wilderness having never seen the promises because of this right here. Man, we should have done this on Sunday morning. That's pretty good stuff now that I think about it. I saved it for the select of the elect. And so, so, let me give you some things from Joshua 1 through 4 and 5 that I, that I believe you, you and I can do to dethrone this faulty doctrine that may have built up in our minds. Because we see these guys operating in it. They're operating in it. So, dethroning faulty doctrine. Here we go. Uh, let's jump into it. Uh, the first one that I want you to see that these guys uh, did, this Joshua generation, you've got to embrace the promises of God. Everybody get your arms out here. Everybody, everybody say, embrace the promises of God. I'm talking about reach out and take a hold of the promises of God. Now, catch this. The first generation disregarded the promises of God. They did not embrace the promises of God. In fact, if you go back, you don't need to. You go back to Numbers 13. The promises of God are rehearsed for them. Uh, Numbers 13, it says, just go in and spy out the land that I am giving to you. They knew what God had promised them on the first uh, time right up to the border there. To the, uh, they knew that God had promised them the red, uh, pardon me, the promised land. But they disregarded the promises of God in their life. And as a result, they were stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. They didn't believe the promises of God. Uh, and, and they let what they thought about themselves and what they saw with their eyes, what they believed about themselves, their enemies believed as well. We are grasshoppers in our sight. So and then our enemies 
huh, yeah, you are, you little grasshoppers. The first generation disregarded the promises of God. But when you get to the Joshua generation, they embraced the promises of God. In fact, you know, I bet you they got a little bitter about their parents. Well, they kept us out here. We could have been in here 39 years ago. But our parents, <laughs> because of the way they thought, let me just stop and say, Hey, the way we think affects those that we impact. But the second generation, they embrace the promises of God. Uh, gosh, uh, it's, there's Joshua 1, 1 through 5. Here it is. Here's the promises of God. I told you I'd get back to it. It says, verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. As I said to Moses from the wilderness, and here he's rehearsing the promises of God. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Man, there's some promises right there. And you know the story how Joshua, he embraced those promises. The people embraced those promises. In fact, they said, uh, 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 verse 16, they answered Joshua saying, all that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we, we will go just as we heeded Moses in these things. So we will heed you. Only the Lord, your God be with you as he was with Moses. No. So they embraced the promises of God. Let me just throw this out to you. God has promises for us. And if we're going to break out of this negative mindset or these and dethrone these false belief systems and oh, let me just tell you, I know down deep inside of most all of us, there's some that need to come out of there. It needs to get out. Amen. 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 One of my heroes of the faith in the New Testament is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Little teenage girl, angel shows up and gets all up in her business. Tells her she's going to be the mother. She's going to conceive by the Holy Ghost. The Christ. Can you imagine? Who, me? You got the wrong girl. Not Mary. Be it unto me. According to your word. What did she reach out and do? Whoo! She embraced the promises of God. And just my personal opinion. Because of the power of God's word. My personal opinion is when Mary said, be it unto me according to your word, that's when, whoom, the Holy Ghost, uh, yeah, I'll scare y'all, whoom, the Holy Ghost came upon it, all of a sudden, conceived in her womb by the power of the Holy Ghost, because she said, be it unto me according to your word. Amen. She embraced the promise of God in her life. Goodness gracious, I'm about to get off this pew or this little stool right here. Woo! Uh, hey, we could go home right there. But I got a few more things I could say. I got, I, got I got a few. Here we go. So, you want to dethrone these false doctrines and beliefs in your head? You got to embrace the promises of God and gra- these are my promise. This is what God says about me. 
Don't believe what others say about you, either good or bad. Just embrace what God says about you. Amen? Embrace the promise of God. Number two, embolden the faith of God in your life. This is what they did. Look, look, in fact, you look in verse six and seven and nine. Here, it's a repetitive thing. And what was, what was God doing with Joshua? He was emboldening, emboldening, I don't know if that's correct. He was strengthening his faith. He said, be strong and of a good courage. Everybody say, be strong and of a good courage. Look in verse seven. It says, only be strong and of a good courage. Everybody say, be strong and of a good courage. Look in verse 9. Have I not commanded you, question tomorrow? Be strong and of a good courage and do not be afraid nor dismayed for, dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Boom! Embolden the faith of God in your life. Listen, if nobody else is telling you that, look yourself in the mirror in the morning or even tonight before you go to bed and look at yourself, look and talk to yourself. And you say, Kenny Este, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be of a good courage. Breathe. Be strong in the Lord of a good courage. Amen. In fact, look at somebody and just tell them, be strong in the Lord. Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good courage. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo. We can go home right there too. But I got a few more things I want to share with you. So dethroning this faulty doctrine belief system you've got to embrace the promise of god you've got to embolden the faith of god in your life uh and and just uh, embrace the faith that god has for you uh in a strong way and number three embrace the command of god now this is important uh you know we love the promises of god but did did you know that for every promise there comes a condition or we could say a command Joshua 1 8, look what he says. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Hear the command form that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? And then it just keeps going. And so he's under the command of God. It's not just embracing the promises of God. You gotta follow through with obedience to the command of God in your life. And that and, and, and let me just tell you something. There's some things you got to do there's some things you need to obey and if you're going to dethrone this stuff out of your life you can't sit around in disobedience claiming the promises of God and never get where you need to go you got to embrace the command of God and just say man I'm going to obey and if I had time, we could go through all of this. And, and then he passes it on to the people, man. He gets it. He's, and then he starts commanding the people. Man, the authority of God rises up in Joshua. And because he's under the command of God, he embraces the word of the Lord. He begins to obey the word of the Lord. And the people catch it. And he commands them. And they say, hey, whatever you say, poo, we're on to it. All that you command us, we'll do. And wherever you send us, we'll go. Man, may that be the, may that be the hallmark of our life. Whatever you tell me God to do, I'll do. And wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. Because I don't want to sit around like a grasshopper in this life and never arrive into the promises of God for my life. I'm going to get up and get going. And obey the word of the Lord. Amen. You got to embrace. I love what Isaiah 119 says. It says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. 
You see, you'll never get to the good of the land. You'll never get to God's greater day for you. You'll never, you'll never get out of just eating the, the manna of life and get to the milk and honey of life. And y'all know what manna is. You know what the word manna means? What is it? If you ever went to lunch and looked down at it and said, ooh, what is it? They did that every day for 40 years. Morning, noon, and night, they looked at their the stuff that God provided. They'd get it every day off the ground. They'd, Here's some more. What is it? Can you imagine for 40 years? What is it? Same old, same old. Every day. Every day. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Move into that land flowing with milk and honey. Can you imagine the first day after 40 years? Can you imagine one of those guys who he, got, he was born like the day after they went into the wilderness. So he's like 40 you know, years old or 41 years old. And, he, and he's had what is it all his life? And he gets in to the promised land and God blesses them and they start tasting milk and honey. Woo! Hey, just think about that. That's what God has for us. Whatever we've been eating in the past, it's nothing compared to what God has for our future. So you've got to embrace the command of God. And that leads us to number four. Uh, and if you're going to do that, you've got to execute the rebel within you. Everybody say execute. That means kill. Look at Joshua 1.8. Uh, no, pardon me, 1.18. Joshua 1.18. Uh, you remember verse 17. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Now catch this. This is what they said. And whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. You know what they knew? Rebellion is contagious. And they said, anybody that rebels at this moment, we've had enough of what is it, and we will not let their rebellion keep us in this wilderness. Our parents did it for 40 years, and their rebellion and disobedience kept us here. We will not have it. Anybody rebels against this, we're killing them. That's the way we got to look at our own life. Hey, any disobedience, it's going. Execute the rebel within. Look, jump over to Joshua 5. Let me show you this. Joshua chapter 5, verse 6. Now, they've arrived, okay, and they've crossed over. Here's a little interesting side note. Joshua 5, we won't get into it. They get over into the land. They're going, wah, wah, we're having a pate. And God speaks to them, okay, get a flint knife and circumcise all the guys. Party's over. But look what it says in verse 5. For all the people who came out had been circumcised. Okay? That's, the, that's their fathers. But all the people born in the wilderness on the way that came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness, 
Catch this, tell all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. So let me just say to you personally, if you want to get this false doctrine about yourself dethroned, you can't allow rebellion to the command of God to rise up in you. Got, you just got to kill it. I'm not going to let it happen. I'm not rebelling. Execute the rebel within you. Die to yourself. Paul said, I die daily. I'm dead indeed to myself and alive unto God through Christ Jesus. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead. He is Lord. I am not Lord. I'll have no other. There's only one God. I'm obeying the command of the Lord to have no other gods before you. I'm not rebelling against the authority of God in my life. Uh, not only God or the people of God or people in my life. I'm not going to be rebellious against authority. Amen. So yeah, execute the uh, rebel within if you're going to dethrone this faulty belief system about yourself. And number five, here's what they did. I think it's huge for us to embark after the ark. Look what it says in chapter 3. When they get in, they're getting there, Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through, pardon me, went through the camp and they commanded the people. What did they command them? When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Now we know the ark of God represents the manifest presence of God. They carried the ark everywhere. It represents God's presence. And so we've got to find ourselves if we're going to... Let me tell you something. If there's one thing that'll wash your brains, it's the Word of God and the presence of God. And we talked about really washing our brains with the promises of God. But here, you keep your eyes on the presence of God or the authority of God or however you want to say it. You keep your eyes. And wherever you see the ark go, that's where you go. You follow his presence. That'll dethrone false doctrine out of your life. And so they did. And you know what? You know the story. They came up there, and when the priest's feet who were carrying the ark touched the River Jordan, what happened? Whew! I've seen the River Jordan. There's nothing dynamic about the River Jordan. I've been there, I got baptized in the River Jordan. Anybody been to Israel? Oh, you need to go, Beverly did. She didn't, you didn't get baptized in the river, Jordan. It's probably cold, wasn't it? Uh, I think I, and so there's nothing dynamic about the river, Jordan. Uh, in fact, you get there, Beverly, the first time you saw it, you kind of went, oh, okay. All right, you have this picture, you know, the river, Jordan. It's just a river. Uh, but let me tell you what was dynamic on that day. It backed up and stopped. And they crossed over into the promised land. Just like the promises of God. 
And they get over there, and then they have a powwow with God. And God says, and Moses said, here's what you do next. And this is number six. Erect a memorial wall within, in, in your life. He said, here's what, the whole chapter four is about building a wall of memorial, a wall of remembrance about what God did right there. Listen, one of the biggest things to get you there is remember what he did for you there. If you, if you want to go there, you got to say, well, look what God did for me here. And then if, if you forget what he did for you here, how for, how for goodness sake are you going to get there if you can't remember what he did for you? If you can't remember one thing, go back to where you got born again, where you realize I'm lost and without Christ and on my way to a devil's hell I'm about to split hell wide open and Jesus comes and you accept him into your life you're born again you become a child of God I'm t- if you got to go all the way back there go back there and build you a memory bank and you say if he can do it for me here he can do it for me there amen in fact he says this he says you need to have this up so not only for you but for your kids and your kids kids Look at verse 21. He says, Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land, for goodness sakes. You should have been there, but you, you weren't. So we erected this so you could hear the story. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan before you until, uh, before you until you had crossed over as the Lord God did to the Red Sea which he dried up before us until we had crossed over that that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord that it is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever what was he saying don't ever forget this children is we're always forgetting things and if you can just remember what God has done for you guess what it'll dethrone what this world says about you Because what this world says about you or what your experience says about you, even about what your parents said about you, shame on them. You know, these guys, hey, in today's world, these guys probably needed counseling. They had daddy issues. (laughs) We better counsel these guys. Their parents... Rascals. I always thought about this. You, you think about that last, I've said this before, but we got new people here, so I'll say it again. Think about this. It says in Joshua 5 that every one of them died out. Can you imagine the last one? He's sitting there, old, gray headed, you know, rebellious, disobedient Israelite on his deathbed going, <gasps> And his kids are going, come on already. <laughs> they, had, they had daddy issues. That's true. See, I put myself there. I, I have to put myself there. Nobody was praying for a miracle in that brother's heart life. We're not believing for his healing. And so, I'm done. I want to give you one closing verse. That's a New Testament passage. Turn over 
there it is right there. Second uh, Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. This is for uh, when it comes to your head. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means natural. But they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Now, everybody say strongholds. If you, if you, if you peel that word back into the Greek, it'll, it'll, it'll read something like this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of castles in the brain or in the mind. In other words, mental strongholds in your life. We've all had them. How many of you ever have to get over some things in your mind about who you are and what you do? They're strongholds. But listen, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling. Hey, Patsy's word is true here. One of the weapons of our warfare is worship and praise. And it, and when he inhabits the praise of his people and it pulls down strongholds in our life. And, and so if we're going to, if we're going to, Move to the greater days. If we're going to experience the promises of God in our life and the, and move out of this slavery mindset into a, an inheritance and overcoming land flowing with milk and honey kind of experience, we've got to prepare our ways for these greater days. And we've got to begin to realize this thing right here is not in charge. God and me are in charge of this, these, this salt process. And I'm going to pull down these strongholds, these, uh, these false beliefs in my life that have been built up about me. Let me tell you what I could do. I bet you, you could do this. I could probably take any one of you by the hand, you could do this. And just look people right in the eye and say, okay, now what's your issue? Come on, tell me. Where's your biggest, something's hanging you up, isn't it? Oh, yeah, probably something hanging me up. What is it? Just get right down to the core of it. And say, I'm not letting this keep me from that. It ain't happening. Amen. Whoo. Whoo. Whoo, man. Man, a whole lot of people should have been here tonight. Because I know a lot of people who got issues right here. They should have been here. You need to tell them. It's okay to tell people they're all hung up if you do it in love. Man, listen, you're just all hung up here. That's why you can't get there. You're all hung up right here. No, it was my mom and my dad. <laughs> hey, at some point, it's irrelevant where it came from. You're the one who got to deal with it. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas. He loves me. He's forgiven me. He filled me with His Holy Spirit. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not toe jam or anything like that, my mom and daddy told me. I'm not pathetic. 
Woo-hoo. It doesn't mean you're arrogant. It means you're honest with who you are. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Whoo, I feel the word of the Lord on me tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just pray for all those poor souls who weren't here tonight, Lord. Help them, Jesus. Help them hear what's happening here. Help us be a voice to them, Lord. Others who are all hung up. Lord, we just today, we just stand here in this place and we just, we dethrone. Somebody is doing surgery right now. We dethrone this thing. That is, has lied to us about who we are. We are not grasshoppers. We're not pathetic. We're not defeated. We're not slaves. We're children of the Most High God. We have an inheritance and a promise from God. And greater days before us. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, give somebody a high five and say, woo, come on now. Amen. God bless you.